Episode 16 of We Built This Life is about Jerron Johnson. He is a writer and a director and the host of a podcast called Hidden Know House. Welcome to We Built This Life. This is the podcast that tells stories about entrepreneurs, freelancers, and other business owners who have built their working lives from that first inkling of an idea into careers that help them make the impact that they want to make on this world. My name is Jennifer Walker. I'm a freelance writer, and I love to hear stories about people who have built careers that are meaningful to them. So on this podcast, you'll hear from people who have done just that. They're going to talk about their path to their current work and the risks they took to build their careers from the ground up. Thank you so much for listening today. Hello, and welcome to We Built This Life. My name is Jennifer Walker. I'm your host, and I'm so happy you're listening today. This is episode 16, and my guest is Jerron Johnson. He's a writer and director and the host of a podcast called Hidden Know Hows. And I connected with Jerron maybe several months ago through Instagram. I had used a podcasting hashtag one day on one of my posts, and Jerron saw it. And he invited me on his show, Hidden Know House, which was a really cool experience. I've interviewed a good number of people over the years, not just for this podcast, but in my work as a freelance writer. But this is only the second time someone has interviewed me in my life. So I was so grateful to Jerron for that experience. He just does an amazing job at guiding the conversation and keeping things flowing. So it was an honor to be asked to be on his show. And I'm really excited to have him here today on We Built This Life. So in this episode, Jerron is going to talk about being a creative kid growing up in a small town in North Carolina where there weren't a lot of options for young people in terms of what activities you were going to get into and what was available as far as options for the future. He talks about his career trajectory and his writing and how that has played a role in his life. And of course, he's going to talk about Hidden Know How's, his podcast. Now, Hidden No House is mainly an interview-style podcast, but what I think is also really interesting is that Jerron's writing does find its way onto his show. He has a segment called Campfire Stories, where he reads what he has written as part of his Campfire series anthology. So his podcast has these two parts to it in many episodes. But the Campfire Stories, they are a secondary segment to Hidden Know Hows. The backbone is really these conversations that Jerron is having with creative people who are doing interesting, exciting things, but they aren't necessarily getting maybe as much attention as they should be, not yet. That's kind of the hidden part of his podcast title. It's like he's often talking to people who are under the radar talent. So this will be a peek behind the scenes of how a podcast came to be. And as a fellow podcaster, I found Jerron's goals for his podcast to be really inspiring, like where he hopes his show will take him in the future and what that could spin off into, just hearing about his plans. He has some great ideas to turn these connections he's made with people who have been on his show into something more. So he'll talk about that. A couple of things to mention before we start this show. So if you've listened here before, you might remember that I have been working on a Baltimore series. So a series of episodes dedicated to showcasing small business owners in Baltimore and telling stories about how they built their careers. That's where I live in Baltimore City. And it's been really fun getting to talk to makers, small business owners who are in my own community. And I've been thinking a lot about this idea of covering a community. Like what is talking to people in Baltimore actually reveal about the city itself. I don't think I have an answer to that yet. You know, I've only released three episodes so far that were focused on Baltimore businesses. So while I've been focusing on covering the Baltimore community, Jerron in part covers the Atlanta community where he lives. He talks to people who live in other places too, but many of his guests live in Atlanta or have a connection to Atlanta. So he does talk a little bit about covering a geographical community. And then when he was talking about his plans for the future, which you'll hear in a second, having talked to so many people in Atlanta and having this reach will figure into this goal he has. So I think this episode fits in nicely as an interlude type episode, an in-between episode. And then when the next episode, episode 17 comes out, we'll pick up again with the Baltimore series. Okay, and then I also want to mention that I'm running the full interview today for this episode, which is something that I, I don't normally do. So I want to give some context here in the beginning for some of the things that Jerron, or some of the people really, that Jerron is going to mention in this episode. 
So you'll hear him talk about how he interned at a theater company with Kenny Leon. Kenny Leon is a director, a producer, an actor, and he has a Tony Award for Best Director of a Play, which he won in 2014 for Raisin in the Sun. You'll also hear him talk about one of his episodes with Big Cat, also known as El Grande Gato. And Big Cat has a YouTube channel with 10,000 subscribers. It's called Keep Pounding TV. It focuses on the Carolina Panthers. And then Jerron is going to mention Charlemagne the God at the end of the episode. He's an actor and an author, and he has a nationally syndicated radio show called The Breakfast Club. Finally, if you have any thoughts about the show or you just want to get in touch and say hi, you can find me on Instagram at We Built This Life. This is where I'm the most active, and I would love to see you over there. I thank you for listening today. And now, without further ado, let's get into Jerron Johnson's story. Hey, so hi, Jaron. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm really excited to have you. Hello, Jennifer. How are you doing? Thank you for having me on, first and foremost. It's great to be on your show. Yeah. I was listening to your podcast last night. One of the episodes that, that you had said that you really liked and that you thought worked out well was episode 20 with Big Cat. Yes. El Grande Gato, who has a YouTube channel where he talks about the Carolina Panthers. Yes, it was really good. And I, what I was noticing, because I'm always thinking about how hosts are guiding the conversation and getting the story going. And you are so good at listening to what other people are saying and like offering something back of substance right on the spot and just keeping things flowing. And I was really inspired by that. I was thinking I have to listen to more and see how Jaron does this. So I'm excited to hear about your show's backstory. Oh, well, well, thank you so much, Jennifer, for that. Like, I I really appreciate that. And the, the show's backstory really just stems from small town upbringing. I'm originally born, born in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, but grew up in a small town called Lenore, North Carolina. 828, shouts out everybody there. It's a very small town, probably near a familiar college called Appalachian State. Growing up there, we had I'm not going to say that we had limited resources, but, you know, at the same time, as far as opportunity is concerned, you really just had sports or, you know, you better be smart and educated or you better know how to operate in one of these factories and one of these facilities. So growing up, I always knew there was something that I had a story to tell. I was very intrigued by stories at a young age. I managed to write my first book at 13. It was called A Small Town, a Small Town in Winston. It was predicated on, you know, my upbringing in this small area, but I wanted to give it a different outlook and kind of have it where this kid befriended this guy from out of town with a very rough Mm -hmm. upbringing. And this kid started to kind of pollute his idea of what he thought life was. I was reading over it myself and I was like, okay, well, this, this is pretty cool. That's amazing that you did that at 13. Yeah, it was a, it was a blessing. So that's kind of where I can go on about that for a while, but it it was kind of funny how, you know, just this idea of wanting to just not only tell stories, but intrigued by other people's stories and really being able to like see how people have been able to overcome so many obstacles in their lives. And with being able to grow up in a small town and see such a limited outlook on life, it kind of like woke up a logic in me at an early age that was kind of like, yo, there's got to be more to this. There's got to be something else that people, you know, that I want to do. Other people could be doing besides just these limited options. And it kind of just honed in and kind of like created this story and, and created my podcast after, you know, doing some film work and writing and stuff. Also, it kind of like helped to launch all of it. So it sounds like your writing, uh, even at such a young age, helped you see that there could be more possibilities. How long was the book? My book ended up being like 16, 17 pages. It was set in one of those kind of classroom settings where the teachers would come in and they would say that there's our books are going to be published. And it was kind of one of those things to where, okay, everyone, just think of something interesting to put in your book. You can take it home for you. Most of the kids I can remember were writing like things such as like, oh, my dog went riding here. I took my dog to the park here. And I could just remember thinking like, yo, I kind of want to do something a little different. It's okay if I go over the 10 page limit because she kind of like set a cap for us at 10 pages. 
thankfully enough, they let me do it. And I kind of just like had more creative freedom to kind of just like just keep writing. And yeah. And that early experience plays into your life now, right? Because apart from the podcast, you're also a writer and director. Like I was looking on your other Instagram account, you've done some writing for a theater company and you have a short film. Can you talk more about that? How you got into writing and directing, what you've done, why you've continued to be drawn to this kind of form of expression? It all really started when I went to college at North Carolina a t State. Shout out to the Aggies. Going into this bigger city out of Lenore kind of had me really wide-eyed and, you know, just taking everything in. I knew I wanted, originally I wanted to do acting. Like I, I really felt drawn to acting and I still do. I'm not too far away from shine from theater and my original roots, but going in at first, I was like, okay, I want to try my hand at acting. I started really dabbling experience and different skits and, you know, short plays and just things around the college. And after a while, I started to get really drawn into the idea of this world being created. Like once again, it, it just kind of goes back to the story idea. And I was just really captivated by the fact of, hey, I've always been writing. I've always been writing in everything I've done over the years growing up. But once I started to understand the intricacies that went into playwriting and just really studying up on it and how important it is, like creating character in the acting world, like with Uta Hagen and all I read while I was in school, it, it really kind of like started to mesh for me at a certain point. And I was like, all right, cool. Let me go ahead and just see and put my hands in what I feel when I create these characters and how I perceive the world to be for them to interact with other characters. And before I knew it, I was just started playwriting. And I produced my first play at a and at around 2015, which really stemmed from an even greater story, which occurred for me at a point where I was homeless. And it was kind of hard for me to explain right now because my dad at a certain point had gotten in a very bad accident. But needless to say, it kind of all just poured out from a story being told and stories that I was experiencing in my life as I was growing up. How old were you then? I was 23. When I wrote my first stage play, I had turned 24, excuse me. But I, it had been on my mind since the age of 23, right before I had had an internship here in Atlanta at True Colors Theater. That was the first theater company I ended up coming with. And it was ran by Kenny Leon. And at the time, I didn't know that was who I was going to be interning with. It was only brought up to me like a couple months after and I found out that I would be interning with Kenny and the show was going to be called Same Time Next Year with featuring Felicia Rashad from The Cosby Show. Wow. It was kind of one of those things I was like, wow, okay, cool. This is this is a big deal. And it came right at the tail end of my homeless situation that had occurred after my father had suffered an incident while on the job. He had been bitten by a brown recluse spider. In doing so, my dad's a very prideful person. Not to say it's to his detriment or nothing, but he's just, you know, he kind of keeps a lot of things to himself. And at the time, he found himself kind of not telling anyone and just keeping it to himself to the point to where one morning my mom woke up next to him and just started to smell something. And then she noticed that his his leg had really started to, you know, turn bad. Like it, it was rotting and stuff. So my dad was like, well, all right, look, let's just go. Let's go. And before we knew it, the doctor had told us that if he hadn't gotten there in the time that he did, they may have had to amputate it. And it had occurred at his job. They believed that he had slipped in his boot one day while he was working. That in turn kind of caused him to lose his job, which snowballed into this case for my family to where I had to end up giving my savings to help them keep the house. It was a crazy ordeal that had occurred from, you know, prior to me getting this internship to the point to where I was questioning God. I was questioning all these things. And I was like, God, you know, you, I know there's got to be more to life. There's got to be more to this as to why you're putting us through all this, because he was able to get through. He, you know, his leg was fine. We were able to get him out of the hospital. But at the same time, we lost the house and we ended up overcoming this situation my dad ended up going into business for himself. My mom got a new job fostering kids. That just so happened to be the year that I got my first car. Like God just really turned things around for me once I, you know, had kind of like brought myself to a point of submission with him. Because growing up, I always was kind of, I'm not going to say skeptical, but I always wondered, man, I don't want to believe in God just because my mom told me or my, my auntie told me to or something like that. I want to know who he is for me and what kind of relationship we can have. And that snowballed into us having the situation occur in our family and him delivering us to the point to where 
I went from sleeping on a pissy mattress to sharing Nature Valley with Claire Huxtable in her locker room. And at that point, I was just like, all right, man, all this happened in six months. I hear you. Let's get it going. And I knew at that point that for me, all I want to do is not only tell great stories, but tell stories as to how great the human spirit is and how stronger we all are when we can humble ourselves before a higher being. And I know, you know, not to get too preachy or nothing, but there's something that has to be said for, you know, the things that we can't control and the peace that we feel when we can relinquish all that drive and need to want to control it. Talk about having these two life-changing experiences on kind of different sides of the spectrum. Everything that was going on with your dad and experiencing homelessness and then working on a play with Kenny Leon, who has a Tony Award, and Felicia Rashad from The Cosby Show, all within the span of just a few months. And that's interesting what you said about how all of this affected your faith, right? And brought you to a different level with that. Do you find that you still draw on that time a lot in your writing these days? I found myself doing so more so at an earlier point, like maybe around 2014, 15, 16, like around that time. But here recently, I've been going through my own, <laughs> you know, ups and downs, much like anything anybody else would in their new stages in life. But I've really found over the years, as I became more and more, you know, entrenched in my craft and what I want to do as far as writing is concerned, I'm happy to say that I'm feeling myself becoming the writer that I can see myself being for the rest of my life. Because I had to go through a lot of different situations and circumstances and fail at them in order to see that, okay, this is what you thought you wanted, when in reality, there's something so much more. I don't even want to say the word fail. I'll just say an experience, an experience and a lesson that you learn. And I say all that to say that originally I wanted to be a writer for Tyler Perry Studios. And that had been a goal of mine since like maybe 2007, 2008. And I've always been really taken away by how Tyler Perry has been able to build and, and create such a empire, such, such a way of innovating and putting people in positions to where they can showcase who they are, showcase their talent. What really drew me to Tyler Perry is the fact that his selflessness in doing so, it mirrors what I had always wanted to do when growing up in Lenore. I would see my friends who are great at something that they're doing, or they may be good at drawing. They may be good at gardening. I had a friend who was good at gardening. I'm like, yo, you, this is this, this is something everybody isn't doing, but you're awesome at doing it. And there's got to be a story behind that. And being able to set up a point for other people to see it too, like all these different things were just something that I really admired. So that in turn kind of led me to go chasing this this dream of working at Tyler Perry Studios as a writer, to which I ended up getting in the studio, but not as a writer, just as like security and, and helping out backstage and stuff. Doing so, I came across a lot of people shaking a lot of hands and really just getting to see how it all works. And being in the writing scene here in Atlanta also kind of like filtered me into the pathway of where I wanted to be as a writer. And I'm thankful to say I'm settling into that now. Yeah, you're finding your voice. Yes. How amazing, too, that you actually did get into Tyler Perry Studios. That was your goal. Even though I know it wasn't doing what you wanted to do, you still got a foot in the door in the place that you wanted to be. And I like how you look at failure, too. I've been thinking about that a lot lately, about like normalizing failure as, as it just being a part of everybody's experience, but you are actually changing the term. You don't call it failure. You call it an experience. That even takes normalizing it to another step. It's just part of what everybody goes through. Yes, indeed. So your writing does cross over into your podcast, just to connect back to Hidden Know House, because of your campfire story segment. Is that Are those stories that you write and that you bring into the end of some of the shows? Yes, yes, and yes, indeed. A lot of my uh, stories that I have, have been writing here recently have all been in my campfire collection. I, I do have a couple other short film projects I'm working on. We'll keep it on the hush hush. But yes, the idea for my campfire stories really just had been something that had been there before the podcast, but was done in a narrative setting to where I just wanted to get it out there. More so just wanted to just create a compilation of different things that I had written because once I wrote it down or kind of put it in my laptop, I knew it was just going to die because I was going to keep writing, keep making new stuff. And then I just didn't want to have it in the graveyard, I like to call it. 
So after a while, I just kind of like storing these up. But the podcast in itself was something completely different. It wasn't until I started really writing up what I wanted to do with the podcast, how I wanted it to really shed light on, you know, artists from all over and different things that I started to say, huh, well, I do have these just sitting on my file drive right here. Why not go ahead and just add this into the segment here? And then before I knew it, getting some feedback from it, I was just like, okay, cool. Let's make this its own thing on top of it. So from there, I've been able to just write different stories. Audio anthologies is what I like to call them because I like to think it mirrors the Twilight Zone I was inspired by a lot of what uh, Rob Sherling had created back in the day. So a lot of his stories and a lot of uh, people like Jordan Peele and all these other writers have inspired me to create anthologies to the point where it's so jarring and gripping that, you know, we're able to categorize them and put them in their own segments. So, yes, Campfire Stories has been its thing and look forward to this season also because we got some things coming. Oh, great. I love that because it sets your podcast apart, too. Like it, it's something that not everybody does, right, to have an interview and then to have this personal story that your host has written that is connected to this anthology. That's just, that's different. And I love it. Well, thank you. Yes. Yes. I'll say that for the sake of the stage work that I had done in the earlier parts of my life, I had had a whole lot of descriptive writing, a whole lot of work in which I just wanted to create an idea of this world or create these characters who had feeling to them, a lot of feeling like to where you could not only see, imagine what they're going through, but empathize with them at the same time. So it's like to be able to shift that from stage work to just way to where I can just tell it to people. It not only cuts back on all the leg room that goes into stage work, because we all know, you know, with, with budgets and, and how the world operates now and today, it's not as easy to just get the work up that you want to do anymore. Not unless you are willing to, you know, make the necessary sacrifices. But in this case, I'm able to create or write some content out put it out there and just move on. And that is what I've been really wanting to do is just to keep cranking content out there, putting some great work out there that's not only, you know, entertaining, but really has a story behind it, It has a great feel. Yeah. I wanted to shift into talking about Hidden Know House, just telling, talk about the podcast, why you started it, why you picked the topic that you picked and just everything about the show. Well, Hidden No House originally was called Artists Underground, and it had that title for the longest because, you know, just throwing names on a dartboard, I was just looking at it like, hey, as I had mentioned, I always grew up just kind of really gravitating towards people in a way to where it's like there's stories and my story and how people can just the idea of overcoming situations and obstacles that, you know, you didn't set for yourself or you set in hopes to achieve a dream has always been mystifying to the point to where I didn't even realize that it was my dream. Like I kind of like thought of a dream as, okay, cool. This is a location that I have to be in that I work at. And this is what's going to be called my dream. I'm going to be doing this here. This show's going up here and boom, this is what the dream is going to be about. When in reality, I would always walk by the guy who's playing the guitar on the side of the curb and intrigued as to what his story is about like who who is he and why is he really seems so at peace about being on the side of a curb right now when everybody else is walking around with their Fendi bags and so absorbed by materialism of what they think reality is and this guy is perfectly at peace with himself right now with a guitar and his shoes off and stuff so it's like yo this is something that has always been an interest of mine to the point to where it took the Tyler Perry moments it took me working with uh, Steven Jackson. Shouts out to Steven Jackson. I Probably about two years ago, I was afforded the opportunity to be able to write for him in one of the shows, a movie that he had coming up with a guy named Boomtown. He was one of my mentors here in Atlanta. Music video director. If you're not familiar with Steven Jackson, he played for the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, just to be able to be in that position to write for them was like a dream come true for me. I was like, bro, I'll be able to work for just that third, be able to get my stuff out there. Like, really thought it was going to be the deal, but... Unfortunately, that opportunity didn't th- fall through for me. And I was just like, yo, well, I, you know, this was supposed to be the dream. You know, I had other opportunities, too. That was really great. But I just couldn't necessarily feel my fish in water moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was wondering, like, yo, there had something was missing. And it took me going back home and seeing my, my cousins who are talented, very talented in what they do. But don't necessarily feel like they have a way of expressing it or don't necessarily have the, the drive to 
research or see that there's other ways to, you know, get things done or that there are other people who are doing something that you're really good at, but you don't necessarily know how to get it done. And to be able to create this podcast has not only been an avenue for me to be able to connect them to people who are out here doing exactly what they're doing and excelling at it, but it's been able to really allow me, well, the best way to say it, I guess, is just, it's my dream. I found my dream in those moments that I thought I was chasing the right thing. Coming up with the idea of, well, it was actually funny enough, I'll say, I had all these names on the board in regards to what called podcast, and I came up with words like hidden. I wanted to make sure something that was like people overlooked, people didn't really give enough time or effort toward something that is obviously still related around artistry of all facets. Like, for example, we had a dojo instructor on there. We've had filmmakers, writers, musicians, people of all facets of artistry just coming on to express what they've done and how they're changing and creating their own narratives. And to be able to do all that really was a thing for me that left me excited for what the future holds. Yeah, I love that that you're giving people this outlet to have 40 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour to tell their story. Like where else but podcasting would you get that amount of time to be able to give somebody to tell their story and that you found all these people with hidden talents and they now they can come onto your show and just really dive into how they got to where they are. Yes, yes. It's really cool too because to see how people are reacting to it is what's really best part because at the end of the day, the whole point of it is just to, well, not only is it entertaining first and foremost, but it's like, yo, you're exposed to new talents, new things that you may not have ever heard of from people who are out here doing it and excelling at it or, you know, on the up and coming on it. And you get to take this information back and then spread it to people who are around. And before you know it, it becomes contagious and other people are out here trying new things and experiencing new things. And one of the dreams I'm hoping for that I'm working towards with the podcast is to eventually have like an annual festival of some sort. You know, take it back to Lenore, North Carolina one day to where kids could come out and experience different things. Like they could come out not only to a great concert from Sound of the Week artists, like because we always have a segment called Sound of the Week from artists who are just out here with some great music that may just be sitting on their laptops and they just want somebody to listen to it. Anything of that nature, we always would have that lined up for the festival and then kids could be able to walk around to different vendors and different points in the festival and see, oh, well, you know, you want to get into drawing. Here's a course on that. Or you want to try dojo work. Here's a course on that. There's so many different things. Archery, there are no limits on what these kids could be able to experience and adults as well, just to be able to attend one of these festivals. And I'm speaking at in No House Festival into existence and you know, in doing so, we can, you know, just really expand and open people's minds up to things that they probably would have never been able to experience. Yeah, what a cool idea, because think of how many people you'll be connected to as you keep working on the podcast. You'll probably have so many people you can invite who can offer all of those different things. Yes, and that's the blessing right there in itself, because we're all constantly growing. Like, you're not going to be the same Jennifer five years from now. You're going to be a better Jennifer a way more evolved. You're going to be a smarter, stronger Jennifer than you are right now. And the same is going to be said for every other person that we link up with. At least we want that to be the case. We got to speak that into each other. It's like, man, by the time we get to that festival, by the time we get to that point in our lives, no telling what you'll have to offer and bring to the table to help out. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. Somebody said that to me recently too. You have to speak your goals into existence. You have to put them out there and make them known. And then hopefully that helps you get there. Oh, yes. I've heard different things. like Obviously, the law of attraction and the, the secret, this, that, and the third. But it's all the same thing. Like, words have power. Like, I'm a very, as you can tell, very spiritual person. And the Bible says it. It's in there countless times. Your words have power. There was a study that was done maybe probably 10, 15 years ago in Duke or Chapel Hill, one of those universities, to where they had put two pieces of like solution it wasn't solution but it was two like two pieces of something it was kind of like shaped kind of like a foam inside of these containers in both containers somebody would either say oh i love you you're special you're awesome you're this that and the third saying all these different positive things into this container but then on the other side in the separate container they would just say all these vicious and vile things like i hate you you're terrible just like really giving out all this negative energy 
And they did this study for a few months, I can believe. I wish I had the article. I can't find it. But they did this study for like a few weeks to like a month or two. And at the end, they found that there was a black resin on the negative jar. Like inside the negative jar on the material. They believed that it was created from the negative words that were spoken over time. Huh. Wow. I'm going to look for that. That sounds really interesting. I haven't heard of that study. Yes. I, I, I wish I could find it too. It was presented to me by a friend of mine while I was at church one day. And it was like, wow, I can't even believe that. Yeah. What a powerful example of how words and thoughts like matter. Yeah. And you can see it in our everyday movements and our everyday lives. Like take a man who has, or better yet, take a woman who is constantly getting yelled at by her husband or mistreated at work or, you know, all these different things. She feels worn down. She feels heavy or you have a guy who can't seem to get things right at work. He feels like he's outdated, getting older, all these different depressing things, all these things that could be done from not only social media, but just life in itself. And it weighs on people, man. Like they spit this same vitriol, the same, you know, intensity, the same evil out over in other people. And you can see it on social media. All this stuff is just heavy and it's so debilitating to the point to where when you see somebody with a light or see somebody who can actually speak some good into you or like can just keep some positive energy going, you're going to run towards. Obviously, you know, you can see a lot of that being done in social media in a lot of cases. So it's important that we continue to encourage one another because ultimately it's for our good. It's for everybody's good if you continue to use it right and don't let other people who have that negative vibe and that same negative energy continue to draw you away from what it is that you want to do and what you want to accomplish because at the end of the day you can't let anyone take you away from what it is that you're destined to do so i always like to ask people about the first time they did the thing that they do so like the first piece of jewelry they made, the first batch of kombucha, you know, whatever it is that is like their job or their creative outlet or the thing that they do. Do you remember your first podcast episode and what you felt when you were recording it? My first podcast episode was with a friend of mine named Reddy Owens. And uh, to be honest with you, my first podcast, I was excited. Don't get me wrong. I had my little butterflies here and there in the beginning stages, but I was more so excited because like I had mentioned, it was just like, yo, I love talking to people. I love finding out different ideas and different things about how people have been able to be successful in this and overcome different things in that and chopping it up with my guy ready. I actually met him through an Uber and his story was just very interesting to me and, you know, how he was able to just overcome so much of, you know, some of his childhood woes and some of the things that he had faced. From there, I was just like, bro, I got to not only have you on the show, but I got to check your music out. Because I just wanted to have him on the show just from his story. And that in itself was kind of like interesting. But after I heard his song and really started to vibe out to Friends and the project, I was just taken away. If you haven't heard his project, Friends, definitely check it out. It's one of those kind of tracks when you're listening to it. It forces you to get up in the morning and say, yo, you got to go out here and go and get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and stay with it. With that being said, shouts out to Reddy. That was one of the one of my first project. A friend of mine named Mr. Kim, he has a production studio out in Powder Springs. So, you know, was able to do it out there. And in doing so, I remember Mr. Kim telling me, he's like, man, you look really comfortable in there. And I was like, do I really? Like, you know, I, I really am in the moment and I don't kind of like look around or try to see what's going on I'm just in the moment he was like man you look like you're really comfortable in there he's like how do you feel about it and I was like well I feel good you know I just, just gotta see where it goes he's like well I, I think you might have it on this I think this might be your might be your calling it sounds like you were in your element kind of right from the start you just had found this thing that was like a good fit for you from early on yes yes and it and it was one of those kind of things for me that I kind of like I ain't gonna say I'm gonna get, I got upset, but I was a little upset with myself just a little bit because it was like, man, you need to tell me this whole time what you've been doing your whole life is what your dream is. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, wait a minute. Oh, and I looked up at God, and in a weird way, I kind of I kind of felt like he was just giving me that, eh, eh, you know, there you go. From that point, I was just sold on it. I was like, okay, God, like if you want me to go out here and do the best I can and not only showing and providing and you know enlightening those around me and, and 
those who are willing to, you know, listen to my voice on new opportunities and things that they may find in life that they enjoy and not only telling great stories that I've always wanted to tell and getting the opportunity to set an example and hopefully change somebody's life by presenting them with a life that they may have never even knew that they wanted. All right, God, I'm sold. Let's do it. (laughs) So this is all I want to do and this is all I want to keep doing. Yeah. And I've also had the experience too of you were talking about your first episode, how he was a friend of yours and you didn't even know that he made music. Like I've had that experience too, where I've had friends on and you learn so much more about them when you get in this format than like you ever knew when you were interacting with them in real life. It's kind of cool. So tell me about your, your favorite episodes or the conversations that you've had so far that have stuck with you? Are there things people have told you that you still think about, even though it's so much time has passed since you talked to them for the show? I still think about a lot of them, a lot of them every day, honestly. I flip through a lot of the episodes and I just think back to, wow, you know, this was really good. I'm here recently going to be chopping up a lot of my episodes and putting them on this uh, software called Idea. It's a shortened version of the podcast and other podcasts as well. Can't give too much info out on that, but just know that here coming up soon, there's going to be a theme. We're going to be able to have a lot of the shorter content. And speaking of which, like episode 16 with Duran, that was a really interesting episode because not only was he able to explain his writing journey as a writer, he's a very Afrocentric, down-to-earth dude. I met him through a friend of mine named Sean Mathis, writer here. I see him as a mentor. When I first got down here to Atlanta, just good people. And just to be able to hear his conversation and what, you know, he he had went through as a writer and how he created this concept called Black Magic, which is inside of all of us as creatives is this magic that we can all harness. We just have to learn to open the box. And the one thing that tends to hinder us is ourselves. So that was Definitely a great episode. It's a very informative episode, episode 16. But then I also got my funny episodes, Big Cat. Talking with Big Cat is definitely a very fun episode because not only is he a creative and interesting character, but the dude has been like panthered out, panther fan, diehard as I am. And that episode was just so much fun because I don't want to call it too early, but I think I might have jinxed it, which being that the season's over, I can say it. But after we played Chicago, I told Big Cat on that episode, I was like, man, you know, we're looking pretty good. I feel like we're doing pretty good this year. And somewhere along that line, I think I said something like, man, you know, we're doing good. But what if this might be a trap? You know, the next game might be a trap game. And ever since then, I think we just started losing. And we lost like seven games after that. Looking back on that now, it's funny because it put us in a position now to where we can get a high draft pick. So it all worked out, no big deal. But I was like, dang, (laughs) it was a funny situation that that was encapsulated in that episode, that moment. So but these are these are all the funny things that goes up and down in the in the show that everybody can look forward to. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, he was funny. I listened to that Big Cat episode just last night and he had me laughing a couple times. For sure. And I went to look at his YouTube channel and I was very impressed that, I mean, I just did like a brief glance, but he has pretty long YouTube videos. And to be able to talk about the Carolina Panthers like that in depth, he must really know that subject like super well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Big Cat is definitely informed when it comes to the Panthers. And we it's cool, too, because if you are diehard Panther fans or just grow up in the Carolinas in general, you'll know how important that team is to everybody there. And I'll also say that Big Cat, not only is he informative, but a lot of those long videos that you be seeing, I'm going to keep it hot. That just be the crew, everybody in there cutting up, just talking-ish, everybody being there just kind of throwing around what it is that they think is going to happen in the season to come. And it's really just a bunch of hoopla and foolishness that be going on in a good way. So you can check it out if you're into just a bunch of uh, sports talk and madness. (laughs) Uh, I'll have to look at it. I didn't actually get a chance to click on one of the videos, but now I'm curious. You have have me wondering about it. So I think I'm going to go back and check it out. Yeah, shouts out Big Cat. That's my guy. Also, shouts out Oliver as well. Oliver, he runs uh, 76 Club. He's a great friend of mine. Me and him been at it for about a few years now. I kind of see him as like my protege. 76 Club is a subsidiary of Hidden Know Hows. Talks sports as well. Fitness ranges from different platforms and stuff for him as well. He's got a lot going for him. You guys check him out. His name is Oliver 76 Club. So yeah, shouts out to my guy. Has he been on your show? 
Yes, yes, he's episode five, 76 Club. Great, great. So does it, it seems to me like, do you often cover, are most of your guests from the Atlanta area, do you find? Are you often covering people within your own community? It depends because it's not limited to Atlanta, but some friends, some acquaintances, some people, I just go out and I see their shows. A lot of different performances are done out here in Atlanta, a lot of which I just came from one on the Beltline. Shouts out to Medicine. It was an art gallery show here, Creative Atlanta. Everybody who sponsored that was a great show. But for the most part, yeah, I have a lot of people here from Atlanta I get to have on the show, but it also ranges from people from across the country. Daniel Leon, he's actually in Argentina, I believe. Shouts out to him. I got to interview him. He's got a dojo, Tang Sudo studio set up out there in Academy. So yeah, people from all over. Yeah. Well, this is why I asked, because I've been trying to, on this show, do a little bit of a Baltimore series, talking to people who are within my own city in Baltimore. And I was I was wondering, I've only done three episodes so far, but I've been thinking, am I going to learn more about kind of like how just Baltimore is a city by talking to all these people who are here? Have you found that? Do you think you've learned anything about Atlanta through doing these interviews? Yes, yes, I can agree. Because everybody has something. Everybody has some knowledge. Everybody has good secrets, let's say, for the fact of what's going on and different things that's on in the city. I've been to so many different shows. Shouts out to Vocal, by the way. Met him through a friend of mine named Honey, who I had on the show. Just so many different networks, so many different people who are out here doing dope things and so many different experiences that you'll be able to be put onto just from getting out and seeing the city and just taking chances on meeting new people. So looking back on your, how many episodes do you have of your, of your podcast now? 34, I think? Yes, 34. So what have been your biggest challenges as a podcaster? And then what are you most proud of? Biggest challenges so far, staying patient and really really pacing myself and knowing that it's okay to do so. And I know it sounds easier than done or it may just sound weird to say, but for such a long time, I've been so accustomed to things happening a certain way or very by the point to where if things don't turn out the way I think, or I may not get a certain amount of views, or I may not get a just the kind of likes or something like, or may even wonder or not whether or not I'm getting out there doing the right promoting or not. Second guessing yourself on a lot of different things when in all reality, hey, just keep doing you, keep sticking to what it is that you believe is the right source and just keep talking to people. Keep doing what you've been doing your whole life. Don't try to force yourself into being in a position that you're not yet there. Now you're not set for just yet. I think that would be the biggest thing. What are you most proud of? Most proud of? I'm just proud to still be here, still, still doing it, still working, still grinding, still in the position to where I can not only talk to great people, but just tell stories and just stay original to who I am. I, just to be able to still be doing this this long year and a half in now, just excited to see what the future holds for it. So just most proud of that. 34 episodes is definitely something that I hoped for, but didn't see how, didn't see when it would happen or how I'd get there. But I'm excited to see what goes next. Yeah. And it's a lot too. I don't know if people like realize, I don't know if this has been your experience, but how long it can take to put episodes together. Like 34 is a lot of episodes. That's a lot of time that you've put into your show. So that's definitely something to be proud of, I think. And I agree too about the challenges. You mentioned how you can get bogged down in like the likes or the views. I think that's the hardest part. Especially like when you're early on, I mean, you have the double the episodes I do, but still when you've put together a body of work and then you're still not kind of getting the response you want, it can really kind of throw you off track a little bit. But I agree with what you said. You have to just know your vision and stay true to yourself and just stay on course. I think that was the perfect way to put it. Yeah. And and also to that is just thinking on it. I'm like, man, look, this shouldn't be about getting views. This shouldn't be about getting crazy amount of recognition or anything like that. It's never really been about that for me to begin with. So to be able to just do it first and foremost and to see that it's touching somebody and that it's helping somebody is gratifying in itself. Now, don't get me wrong. We always strive to grow and to expand, but I feel like that's something that for me and for you is just going to come natural because this is who we are and this is what we do. This is what gives me a sense of confidence about this path that I'm on is that it's something I've been doing my whole life. I just hadn't paid no attention to it. And if you can see the originality in your work, you can see how you put a bit of yourself into it. 
sounds easier said than done, but you put literally a bit of yourself into your work. It's a part of you. You're never going to divvy from it. And eventually it will blossom into what you spent all this time growing it into being. Yeah. And you get so much out of it too, I feel. Beyond the views and the likes. I mean, like you said, you get to have all these great conversations with people that wouldn't have been possible without this platform. You get to make connections with people. So there are so many things that go beyond the Instagram stuff or like how many people downloaded your episodes. So I just think people just need to remind themselves of that for sure and not get bogged down with the other stuff. Yeah, because it's all going to come. Like one of my greatest inspirations here recently, past few years, has been Charlemagne the God. And just to see his story and how he's been fired four times and how at the age of 32, I believe 32 or 33, he was at home and had his baby moms with him and stuff. Like He just had had so many pitfalls in his career, but he never stopped doing what it is that he loved. And now this guy's wrote two New York Times bestsellers and has excelled into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with The Breakfast Club. To say all that, this guy's from Monk's Corner, South Carolina. So it's just like, yo, this guy's from a small town just like me. I'm from the foothills in North Carolina. If he can do it, why can't I? Yeah. You need those kind of stories for the inspiration. Exactly. So is there anything you wish you knew when you started your podcast? What have been your biggest lessons that you've learned along the way? Biggest thing I wish I knew was try not to get ahead of yourself. I would try not to put too much on my plate at one time because I think in the beginning stages, I was just like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have music here. I'm going to have my stories at the end like this. I'm going to have this every week. It's going to come on da-da-da-da. It's going to happen like this, like this. And I'm just like, all right, okay. And then as time progressed, I started to realize, hey, I'm going to do it like this, but I don't know if, I'm, if I want to put this particular thing with it. I want to tell this story, but I don't know if I want to make it on this episode. I want to make it on this episode. It just, you kind of have to settle in. It really is like a nice pair of shoes or something. It, it's going to take a lot of walk and a lot of steps in it before it sets into your feet. That's a good analogy. I like that. So what's next for Hidden Know Hows? What's coming up on season two? And did I also see that you're maybe starting a Patreon soon? Yes. Uh, so what's going to be happening for Hidden No House here, season two, we are now operating on a bi-weekly scale. And not only are we having continuing to have some of the greatest hidden artists around to come onto the show and tell us their stories, but we're also going to be able to tell campfire stories, also new ones that are coming out. Got a rollout I plan on doing to where just different log lines and images to where people can get an idea of what to expect, different trailers. Aside from that, also, we have this new contest that's going on here in Atlanta. If you're in the Atlanta area or if you stop by Atlanta, all over different parts of the city are hidden know-how stickers hidden in different parks. And if you just so happen to take a picture next to one and tag us in it on Instagram, you're automatically entered into our monthly contest of free Hidden No House merchandise. What a good idea. Yeah, yeah, we're running with that this year. Not to mention also, we are going to be starting up a Patreon. We haven't necessarily decided on whether or not we want to set memberships just yet. All goes back to my point of don't put too much on your plate than what needs to be. Because eventually we do want to have a membership setting to where people can give a certain amount and receive information on what's going on around their city when we go national. And not to mention, we're also going to have different things for contests, discounts, things of that nature. But Patreon will probably be set for this season to just be donations. Anybody who wants to also join in and contribute to different events that we'll have set up, we plan on having a viewing party for our recent project that we just finished up. I have a short film that I've been working on since 2019 called The Bakery. My DP originally, we would have had it done at an earlier point, but he underwent some unforeseen circumstances in his life and he he wasn't able to finish the project. So thankfully enough, he's doing well. I was able to get the film done myself and we're looking to have a viewing party probably around sometime either in June our end of May. So that's another thing that we got coming up to and growth, growth and expanding, looking to take these uh, stickers and take them to different parts of the Southeast, eventually make my way up to Baltimore and come holla at you, Jennifer, and you know, put a couple of them around there too. And just really just get out here and just keep expanding, keep growing and just keep doing all we can to spread this love and positivity. Yeah. That sticker idea is amazing. 
<laughs> what a good idea for like just to spread the word about your podcast and create like this community feel. Oh, thank you. Yes, yes. And, and this is how it works, though. Like it's a communal podcast. Like it's all centered around people who are either doing or aspire to be doing something that they normally wouldn't do. And like I, I cannot harp on the fact of growing up and just saying, man, I'm only limited to sports, education are dope dealing and one of which is definitely not going to happen especially in the johnson household so <laughs> two are already what i had football i love football i did it for high school defensive end number 53 west caldwell still rep that but it just wasn't my calling it wasn't my thing so from that point i was able to just say hey man look there's got to be more and that more idea has grew and blossomed into a passion of mine that I can thankfully say that God gave to me at the finish line of what I thought was my dream. You have so many exciting things coming up for your show. It's really inspiring to hear about them. So where can listeners check out Hidden No House and where can they find you? And yes, you guys can follow us at Hidden No House Podcast on Instagram, at Hidden No House on Twitter. And check us out on our website at HiddenNoHouse.com where you can catch up on all of our latest content, introspective conversations with artists who are out here on their grind, doing their thing, setting their own narrative, and interesting audio anthology stories with our Campfire series. So give us a look. Appreciate you. So I want to thank Jerron Johnson so much for coming on this show and telling his story. He has definitely given me a lot to think about in terms of my own podcast. And I think what Jerron said at the end here about how he's really learned to pace himself and be patient and take his time and stay the course, that this is good advice for people in general. I think it could be applied to people in, in many situations, not just in podcasting. So as Jerome mentioned, the second season of Hidden No House has launched. He actually had someone on from Baltimore this past week, Danny Virgo from Baltimore Trap Soul Music. That episode just released yesterday, the day before I'm recording this. So this is the end of April. And it is the second episode in season two of Hidden No House. So definitely go check out Jerron's show. As I mentioned, he's great at keeping the dialogue going with his guests. And he's had some really interesting conversations. I will link the episodes that he mentioned with Duran and Big Cat and others in the show notes. And if you want to check out my episode on Hidden No House, it's episode 29 from season one. Thank you so much for being here today and for listening. And I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening today to We Built This Life. If you enjoyed the show or if you have constructive feedback, I would love it if you would leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also come say hi on Instagram. I'm at We Built This Life. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please get in touch. I would love to hear from you. Have an amazing day and I'll see you soon.